Attention passengers, today on Strangers on a Podcast, we have a cult film from 1988 that's Alice in Wonderland meets Evil Dead. It contains a possessed house, roller skating demons, and the Maya Quigley feeling like pork tonight. Join us, won't you? Welcome to the movie car here at Strangers on a Podcast. I'm the conductor, and with me is... I'm Grimweed. We're called the Strangers on a Podcast because we're two guys who don't know each other, and we're talking about movies to see how they bring people together. Are we going to drive each other nuts? Are we going to curse and scream one another out? Are we going to stay on topic? Never. Well, we might. Maybe. One day. Today we are talking about the one and only, except for its two sequels and remake, 1988's Night of the Demons. Didn't we go through this before? Yes, but I still just don't feel like calling it one and only when it has that many. Oh, you don't like when... the one and only first installment? I do not. <laughs> it was kind of a cheap way out. Yes, it was. There's a reason this movie was picked. We started out with May, who was an outsider. There was some mental issues. It was Halloween time for the movie, and it has a killer Angela. Well, uh, May was May was played by an actress named Angela Bettis. Exactly. And May the, the killer in the movie is played by Angela Bettis. So there's our killer Angela. And we love Angela Bettis. Oh, she's amazing. And then we go to our next movie, You Are Not My Mother. Also, outsider, mental health issues. It's at Halloween time. And another killer Angela. The mother in You Are Not My Mother or the changeling who is pretending to be Char's mother is named Angela. Yes. Um, and then we move on to our third movie, Sleepaway Camp. Again, an outsider. There's some mental health issues. This one is not at Halloween time, but a lot of the same, like I said, mental health, an outsider. And again, we have a killer Angela. Now we move into Night of the Demons and we have another Angela. It is again at Halloween. And Angela and Suzanne are outcasts trying to fit in, having a party, inviting people. But instead of having a party and inviting people to just have fun, they again are outcasts. And their point of the party is to, or at least Angela's point of the party is to scare the shit out of everybody, not just to go and have a fun party. But a fun time is had. By some for a while. But yeah, so this... This is, this is our, our theme for this month is Killer Angelas, outsiders. outsiders. Yeah. So that that is why I decided, yeah, I think we should do this one. And a fine pick it is because it's classic from the 80s. And oh, yeah. That is it's an era. amazing movie. It is it is a beautifully shot movie. The sets, the costumes, everything is amazing looking. It's very dark, but they make the darkness look uh, pregnant with uh, who knows what's going on in the shadows of this movie. Every well, and that is another thing that I, how I mentioned in Sleepaway Camp, how I thought, well, maybe some of the things because of upgrading to newer technology and seeing things that should have been in shadows, now they aren't. That is one of the things that the director of this has said is an improvement because there's a lot of things that he, he intended to be seen or thinks, oh, I wish you could see that more. But when it went to VHS, it was too dark. And he's actually happy that now going to DVD and Blu-ray, that it's a lot clearer and brighter. So now you can see and appreciate the costumes and the sets and everything and the makeup even more. So this is a flip from Sleepaway Camp. Indeed it is. 
Uh, directed by Kevin Tenney, fresh off of Witchboard from 1986, and written by Joe Augustin, known for, well, this, and for writing several renowned books about the paranormal. Cinematography was by a guy named David Lewis, and he did a great job at the various elaborate camera shots in this movie. Ken Eichley did art direction, he really had the sets and props looking amazing for Hull House, which is the main setting of the movie. Steve Johnson and his crew did a great job with all the makeup, effects, and designs, and Steve Johnson got to marry Linnea Quigley after meeting her on this picture. This was the first thing he did on his own yeah he had just been fired from he was fired by michael jackson yeah i i, I don't know what he was might have been working on thriller or something i'm, I'm not i don't I'm not remember sure. i think i when heard did thriller some... come out i don't know i don't i don't know either i think thriller came out a little bit before 88 though i think, I think so. it came out i think it came out in 84 85 um but yeah so he had just been fired and was freaking out about what he was going to do and pretty much the same time he was fired they called him about this and he knocked it out of the park it's about some rowdy teenagers breaking into a decrepit old funeral home slash mortuary slash crematorium on a halloween night to have a gruesome i'm sorry awesome halloween party in the abandoned spooky old place until the house turns out to be possessed and they find themselves on the menu for some pretty gnarly demonic entities that sounds about right yeah i think that about covers it, it yeah it's a okay ho- thanks good night it, yeah no, we're going to go into it a little. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, it, it's a horror comedy, but uh, it's it's not a spoof of the horror genre at all. The actors are young and inexperienced, but uh, many of them went on to have solid careers in show business. I think there was only two that had done quite a bit before this. Yeah, I, I think this was uh, the lead actress, Kathy Podwell's first movie. Yes, she had done a TV show before this and got her SAG card and then quit her waitressing job because this be movie. she got this part and was like, okay, I'm not going back to waitressing, so this has to work out. And yeah. luckily she went from this to Dallas, so it worked out. In a lot of ways, Night of the Demons is kind of like uh, an epitome of so many things that were great about 80s horror. It has crazy punk music. It has a ton of nudity for what it has. It has for its plot. It's 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 not a porn film or a softcore movie, but it does have... I wouldn't even ample, say it has a ton. Yeah, fair enough. It doesn't really have a ton of nudity, but it has ample amounts of female flesh on display. Uh, yeah, we went from a lot of male skin in the last one to some female skin in this one. Yes. I think it just has uh, really interesting performances from some of the actors. And the story itself is is just, uh, it's it's a light, campy kind of romp that doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's a movie you can put on and just enjoy it as, a, enjoy the ride as it were. It takes itself seriously enough to not have giant gaping plot holes or anything like that. Okay, so speaking of the story, let's get mm-hmm. into it. Okay. It starts out with a delightful little animated title sequence. and that Inspired by Night on Bald Mountain from mm. Fantasia. Anyway, the animation sequence turns into live action. And yeah, with we... that, she um, she said that she had to get the, the opening shot, that just that first frame, so she could draw over the top of it for the pumpkin just to match everything just right. And it looked great. Oh, yeah. But, it came um, off great. It's a tat- It's tied to the roof of a car that's speeding around town with a guy drinking a beer. I don't know if it's a bottle or a can, but bottle. he's he's driving it. He's driving and drinking. Yeah. Finishes the bottle, throws it out. His buddy in the back seat says, "Hey, look at that old man. We'll get him." They change. He changes seats with the girl sitting next to him. Makes her take the wheel so he can lean his ass out the window and move. She the does guy. not want to take the wheel. By the way, she does not she does want not to do want this. Want to? No. But uh, this he is kind of gives her no choice. He he basically forces the wheel on her. It's an incredibly dangerous thing to do. No one should do this while driving. Uh, yeah, don't try this at home or anywhere else. I don't think they were wearing seatbelts either. Well, they couldn't because they switched places. Anyway, this is Stu 
Stooge, Helen, and Roger. Stooge has a pig nose for his costume. His buddy Roger in the backseat is a pirate, and the girl with them is Helen. She's dressed as Helen as Troy, I think. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy. Did I say Helen as Troy? Yes, you did. That's ridiculous. Yes, it um, is. Uh, no, but <laughs> Roger is the only black character in the movie. He, he is the token black character, which this is a horror movie. And he is the only black guy. Keep that in mind. Stooge didn't really moon the guy. Stooge uh, had... Well, they tried to get him to. They tried to get him to, but he refused. He has uh, underwear that has a pumpkin on it. So when he pulls his pants down, you're supposed to see the underwear. And the director's like, oh, you can't really see the pumpkin. And tried to talk him into just mooning him. And he's like, yeah, no, you can't afford that. Uh, Stooge is a pretty far out looking dude. Hair like a mohawk, but meets a mullet with uh, shaved stripes in the sides. But the world is... Is after this old man because after right after uh, Stooge moons him or doesn't moon him, the old man is cursing them out when uh, up comes a POV shot of somebody stalking up on the old man and here's some jerk from Brooklyn waving a dead rat in the guy's face. It's a, it's a rubber rat but he scares the old man into dropping his groceries. The old, the old man is just like you punk kids, you're going to hell! And uh, Well it was kind then, of a dick move. It was. But then we find out the old man's a bit of a jerk because up comes a, uh, a pretty girl in a big sweater. And very a, pretty. Very pretty. And she oh Mr. Oh sir I'm so sorry that's awful what happened to you. Please let me help you pick up your groceries. And he's like, get away from me, you little whore. Yeah, and it's just a little pretty, sweet blonde that came up and said she was trying to help. And he called her a whore. And uh, she says, I, I wouldn't like to help an old creep like you anyway. She's so nice. She doesn't even she doesn't even curse at him. She just, call, she just calls him an old creep. Now, that's our main character, Judy. And uh, she, she she's will give you a cavity by the end of this movie. She could. Uh, she is coming home late from school because she was busy helping the homeless with the drive. I can feel that cavity starting already. And she gets home and she's like, oh, has Jay called? And she, She's just an all-American sweetheart girl, ready to go out on Halloween night, and she can't wait to go to the dance with her, with her handsome boyfriend. She makes cheerleaders look depressing. She does. This is Judy. She's home. She goes to her room and she has to change out of her school clothes. Which well, she hears a phone ring. She hears a so, phone so ring. So she and runs it's her to her room to answer the phone. And it's Jay. It's her date. Oh, and he asks her like, "Oh, uh, are you?" Oh, well, they were supposed to, to go to the dance. They were supposed to go to the dance. He wants to know if she's ready yet. She says she's not. And he says, we're not going to the dance. We're going to a party I found. Uh, the party is being thrown by Angela, some girl he knows called Angela. And Yeah, and a goes, weird girl from history class, I believe it was, wasn't Judy it? Judy says, uh, the only Angela I know is a weird girl from history class. It's not her, is it? And she's, I think she's, she's in, it's apparently into witchcraft, I think she says. She's into witchcraft. Uh, Jay says, that must be her. I think Jay kind of had some solid reasoning here. He says, Halloween is like Christmas for someone like that. And if anyone's going to throw a great Halloween party, it'll be her. Yeah, it sounds about so right. So the douche has solid reasoning. Oh, so already he's he's the douche. Yes, he is. Okay. He hasn't even done anything yet. He's already the douche. First, it I'm was, calling him the douche. Uh, okay. I, I figured we might want to get a reason first, but you want to start out that way, then let's go. He's the douche. That's right. There. He, he's the douche that is taking Judy out on a date. Okay. And I would say he's the white rabbit, but that's a whole nother thing. Ha ha. Maybe if you wore a costume like that, we would know. But he's not, he's too cool to wear a costume, isn't he? Oh yeah. According to everybody else, he's too cool for a costume. Judy is half naked, changing in her school clothes, and um, the actress is kind Flash enough to give, a little. give the world a little shot of her delightfully shaped posterior. After some, some negotiating with the director, apparently she was supposed to be topless at one point, and she wasn't 
into that. But she did wear a rather translucent bra. Which she apparently had to go shopping for because she didn't even have anything like that. Yeah, she didn't have trashy lingerie. So not only was she an all-American sweetheart in the movie, she's an all-American sweetheart in real life. Yeah, and apparently like all the guys had a crush on her. Everybody loved her. She was just a really nice, sweet person and really pretty at the same time. Basically, she's nice and pretty and this and that. What the fuck? Unfortunately, all of her niceness doesn't do much against her bratty little brother who jumps out of the closet wearing a monster mask at her. He needs a whooping. Yeah, they, he's a brat. Uh, he, you know, he, uh, he, he, he compliments her tits and runs out of the room. Which apparently the actress says after like 20 some years and all the other roles he's had and all the other lines he's had to say, the only one that he remembers is bodacious boobies, sis. If you keep growing, you're going to have to have help to tie your shoes. We follow the kid brother a little bit as he goes to the front door and he's all like ready to open the door and scare whoever's out there he's he's got the mask on he jumps outside there's nobody there but here's brooklyn guy and, and he was is, hiding in another room or something or behind he, the he door. was hiding off screen yeah and um uh, this is sal one of our major characters in the movie sal and the a negotiation of sorts happens where sal learns the whereabouts of the party that judy is going to be going to and yeah this negotiation this fucking kid man he says yeah he a nice chunk of change and sal goes to hand him a quarter he's like you think i'm gonna sell out my beloved sister for a quarter no he holds out for a whole fucking dollar he sells out his sister for a dollar and yeah so a dollar is worth more than the now yeah it's a fucking dollar in the 80s it still ain't shit that's true i think uh i think it was all for the best because i just like sal i don't know not yet i get the feeling that sal's not a douche oh no sal's a douche Maybe he's a douche, but he's not as bad. And especially at this point in the movie, he's a douche. He's not as bad as the douche, but he's a douche. Sal finds out. Okay, take a drink every time we say the douche, or just every time we say douche. You'd be stumbling before you get through. That depends what you're drinking. You'd be stumbling before you get to the party. No. Sal gets the details of the party out of the kid brother, and then he splits. Yeah, the brother says he he didn't think he'd have the guts to go there anyway, because this party is at Hull House. And at which point Sal says, your sister ain't going to hang out in some trashy place like that. She wouldn't be caught dead in a place like that. Yeah. Which is kind of a fair reasoning on Sal's part. Yeah. It's the most logical thing in this movie. But then we cut to Linnea Quigley's ass in a little pink skirt. And not just like her in a skirt. It's like a baby doll, kind of like Shirley Temple, big, puffy, bent over. So the skirt's up in the air. And all we're staring at is her ass and these little pink panties. But Linnea Quigley is bent over and she's shaking her booty. Suzanne is the character. She is friends with Angela, played by Mimi Kincaid, or Amelia Kincaid, as she later became known. Angela and Suzanne are throwing the party at Hull House, and they need supplies. So what they're doing here is Suzanne is bent over in front of the clerks to distract them with her hypnotic ass, while Angela rifles through the shelves and gets everything they need for last-minute supplies. I don't remember exactly what she got. I remember she got napkins, she got booze. Let's see, there's a bag of Doritos, a bag of it looked like maybe some popcorn, two bottles of wine, a couple handfuls of various things. One of them kind of looked like, you know those uh, corkscrew bottle opener things that are kind of like pliers? Like you put the thing in and squeeze like pliers and it like pull the, yep. the corks. Yeah, it kind of looked like something like that. And maybe some like utensils or whatever in those couple handfuls. She got three different kinds of like a generic cookie and one pack of napkins. I, I called the napkins. I remember those napkins. Yep. 
I don't know if she had already put something else in there, but that is what, what we see her pick up. Angela gets everything she needs. Uh, she signals to Suzanne that uh, she's ready to go, and, and she uh, makes her way none too subtly, just sort of strides out with a confident look on her face so the clerks don't notice her. Suzanne follows shortly after. Walking up past the clerks, she asks them, do you have sour balls? And they say, uh, yeah, sure we do, baby. Goes, too bad, yeah. but you don't get a lot of blowjobs. Yes. Angela is a goth princess or queen or bride or something. She is wearing an, an amazing, amazing black, wedding, black wedding dress with a veil and a fishnet decolletage uh, that well, it wasn't quite a fishnet. It was more like lace. Anyway, black lace decolletage uh, over her chest and uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is uh, the decolletage, I believe, is the space between a lady's collar and the top of her bust. Fuck if I know. I know it was a deep V cut with some kind of fishnet looking mesh in between the little bits that barely were close enough together to cover her nipples. She looks amazing. Oh, it's an amazing dress. And not just for the fact that you can see through almost all of it. And uh, Angela is all ready to go for the party now. Well, yeah, she's got all her pilfered goods. Suzanne stops to put on some makeup. Angela tells her, you've put on your makeup too enough already. Linnea quickly gives us another great line. I just want to look good for the boys. I think oh, she I've does spend a lot of time looking in that little compact fixing her makeup. She does. But that's part of her character. She has uh, body issues. We kind of learn later. That's one way to put it. We go back to Judy's house, uh, but we get to meet uh, Jay the douche. Take a drink. We meet Jay the douche because as he arrives to- And that's another drink. <laughs> Jay arrives to pick up his date, Judy. But Judy comes down looking resplendent in her Alice in Wonderland costume. Of course, she has to fend off a kiss from Jay- because, yeah. yeah, yeah, douche, let's pick her up, meet her mom, then shove your tongue down the girl's throat, then in there. Well, I mean, I can understand, Creep. like, like a peck on the cheek or like a quick peck on the lips no, or something. No, he went for the mouth. Well, that's what I'm saying, a peck on the cheek or quick peck on the lips or something. But he didn't just, like, slow, he he went in aggressive. Full cock, yeah. And, it, and he's not wearing a it, costume is either. This, is this their first date? I believe it is. That's the impression I got. And he's already like, oh, yes, come here, sweetheart, or give me, he's already, like, Give me some sugar, baby. Well, no, he doesn't even have the charisma, and he doesn't. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have the same amount of charisma in his whole body that Ash Williams has in his pinky toe. Also, he's wearing a blazer and slacks. Douchebags don't dress up on Halloween because they wear people suits every day of the year. Unfortunately for Judy, she leaves with him. Yeah, but I mean, she was a pretty blonde and a cute Alice in Wonderland. She looked like Alice she could have been outfit. cosplaying Alice in yeah. Wonderland like as a Disney princess. Yeah. I mean, Disney princesses wish they exactly. looked like Alice in Wonderland that much. And she had the perfect, perfectly proportioned dress, apron, perfect shoes and everything, even uh -huh. the perfect hairstyle. She looked amazing. And she was supposed exactly. to dress up as Red, Red Riding Hood in the original script, but it was changed when... For reasons that we will get into. For reasons we will get into, but I think it was a smart choice. Oh, and yes. Miss, Miss Podewell looked cute as a button as Alice. Yeah, she would have looked great as Red Riding Hood, too. They arrive at another house, and they pick up Max and Franny. Franny's dressed as a sexy Peter Pan. Max is dressed in scrubs and a stethoscope. Max comes off like a good guy to me, because he says flat out that Jay is too full of himself. So now you're calling him costume. Jay? I thought you were calling him the douche the whole time. Oh, I don't want to get all of our people drunk. Oh. Uh, if all of our listeners are going to be following your directions, they'll be too drunk to give our give us a rating at the end of the episode. Well, okay, rate us now. Oh, we probably should have already done that because the amount of times I said douche earlier and that, see, there's another drink. 
Anyway, I like Max. As he says flat out, Jay is too full of himself to dress up in the costume, and I, for one, I just like the guy. Also, he's kind of an average-looking dude, dating a gorgeous Asian hottie like Jill Cherishita, so this guy gets two thumbs up for me. And he gives us some nasty details about Hull House on the way. Apparently, the owner, Old Man Hull, was a little too close with the dead bodies that came to his funeral home. Also, he killed his whole family on Halloween night years ago, so... Well, maybe he did. It was a mass murder-suicide, but they don't know who killed who because the scene was so bloody that they couldn't figure out who did it. Oh, Judy and Max and Fran and Jay, they, they're driving off to the party. Stooge and his crew get a flat tire, and uh, we get the immortal line, I said I carry a spare. I never promised you a tire iron. Stooge has some great lines in the movie. But he's also an ass. It does He's not. Well, if you don't already hate him, it won't be long before you do. Jay and Judy and Max, they drive up. We hear Stooge say, Jay, good buddy. When he sees Jay, Jay's Mustang. So we find out as the picture is getting yeah, up. Douche the party, tries a, a classic Mustang, too. A beautiful yeah. classic Mustang. Yeah. Well, at least it's, it's getting to the party. Fact, at least all these people know each other. So Jay and Judy and the crew, they just leave Stooge and Roger and Helen in the dust and they just head on up to Hull House. They go inside the house and there's Jay, the douche. The douche. Hey, we both said it. So that's two drinks. Judy, Franny, and Max, and they find a coffin. Jay is like, oh, would it be so funny? Because they hear Stooge somehow pulling up. Somehow well, no, it's I, they see, they hear a car, and out the window you can see Angela's car pulling up. Okay, that's Angela's car then. Yeah. Very well. Yeah, because uh, Stooge and, and then they still have stranded. the front tire. They're walking. Yeah, they're walking. But by damn it, they wanted to make it to that party, and they did. Mm-hmm. Because in the 80s, when you wanted to get to a party, you got to the party. It didn't matter if you had to fight bullies. It didn't matter if you had to get on a BMX and ride through somebody's backyard. It or if you had to walk if... two miles fast enough to where you can get there within a few minutes of a group that was already ahead of you in a car. It didn't matter if you had to use mad science to invent your own date to take you to that party. If it was the 80s, you got to the party. Well, remember, you had to fight for your right to party. Exactly. But anyway, because parents just didn't understand Jay how many the fucking coffin. references do we want to make? <laughs> We've got weird science topic Beastie boys topic. Oh, see, I topic. told you we couldn't stay on topic. Jay sees the coffin. He says, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody was hiding in that and jumped out when they came in? Because he wants. To well, he handed his flashlight to Judy so he could climb in. And he opens the coffin and somebody already beat him to the idea. They jump out and it's uh, it's Sal, our macho Brooklyn guy. And he's like, wearing hey. Judy's brother's mask. Wearing Judy's brother's mask that he took. And well, uh, oh, no, he stole it. He stole it. Sal jumps out of the coffin. And Jay, the douche, is like, you piece of crap. I'm going to kick the crap out of you for scaring my girl like that. Nobody well, does just that for to scare, me. I don't, it was, I don't think he said for scaring my girl. I just think it was. I was paraphrasing. I think it was just like, asshole, you scared me. and I'm going to kick your ass. He was about to do the same thing. Yep. Which is what Judy tells him. A fight is going to happen. Judy calms it down by telling the guy he's be beating up Sal for doing what he was about to do. So Jay's also a dummy who decides to harm others before thinking. You know what that makes him, I think? Um, I'm going to take a wild guess and say a douche. Yes, a douche. Two more drinks. I hope you guys are drinking something with a very low alcohol content. We're sipping. You can sip instead of doing a whole shot you did. Oh, if you're Get doing it. shots for this, you're already on the floor. 
Stooge and Roger and Helen arrive. Angela and Suzanne are already there. Sal has crashed the party, but he's welcomed. Judy, Max, Franny, and Jay are there. The party begins. I have a question. What? The cooler, was that in Angela's car or did they bring that? Oh, I, I hope they didn't have to drag it two miles. Um, But I don't remember them having a cooler. But then no. once the party starts and Stooge and Roger come in carrying the cooler... Makes me think maybe they went and got it out of either Angela's car or the douche car. It makes more sense than them dragging it two miles. It would have taken them a lot longer to get two miles dragging that cooler. So they or maybe got it out of it's like, oh, car. yeah, um, we're not going to carry it. So, hey, Angela, let me use your car to go back and get it. That could have been. Stooge brings a boombox and it's blasting. And Suzanne's mm -hmm. dancing. Angela's oh, yeah. lighting candles. Judy's helping light candles. The room well, looked Judy's pretending to light, or she's trying to light candles. But Judy tries to light candles with a lighter at the snack table because this is a party with the snack table. Which means, it says to me, Suzanne and Angela apparently hauled in a folding table with a tablecloth and set up plates and snacks and treats candles on the table. Okay? Angela and Suzanne, they put the work in. But, but Oh yeah, the Judy, place looked amazing. But Judy comes up and she has this lighter and Angela warns her when she puts it down, okay? Like Judy's trying to light candles and like Angela and she puts down the lighter when Angela lights the candles for her and Angela's like, be careful where you leave that. The spirits won't like you littering on their domain. And, yeah, so she's trying to light these candles for a while with this lighter and can't get it to work. Um, and you can tell she doesn't use a lighter often by how she's trying to light it and how slow she's striking it. So one, where did the lighter come from? But also Angela comes up with a lit match from off camera, and walks the with the lit match past Judy and then proceeds to light three candles with it. Have you ever tried to walk with a lit match? For her lighting a candle and walking elegantly across the room with, with the flame on your match barely fluttering at all, that is just second nature to her. She, she can also walk with a book on her head and not drop the book. The party's rocking. Couples are pairing up. They're all dancing. You know, Jay and Judy pair off and then Suzanne dances up to Jay and Judy. Jay, the douche goes off with Suzanne. Yeah, and when I first saw that, I thought he was looking at it like, oh, wait a minute. Is this going to be both of them? And no, the way she kind of danced up at the beginning, it was kind of like she was getting close to Judy and it's like, wait a minute, is she going for both of them? And then she turns and walks away and the douche does a douche move and douches off. Yeah, he's just a great guy. The only thing I don't like about Max is that he's friends with this guy because I like Max. I think Stooge is a cooler guy than, than Jay, to be honest. I, I, th I think Judy would be in better hands with Stooge. I think she would be more abused. Yeah. Uh, but Stooge would be more verbal abuse while Douche is more... Gaslighting and God knows what else. Yeah. No. Uh, but then the boombox's batteries die. Haven't you guys ever heard of Duracell? Yeah. Time for the party games. And Angela suggests a seance. She is definitely a goth queen, and this is her creepy Halloween party, and so yes, she wants a seance. Yeah, and everyone, the point was to scare the shit out of everyone. Everyone who doesn't want to do it is a chicken. Franny, who's uh, Max's hot date, she suggests a past life seance. Angela mentions seance. Judy's like, a seance? And then Helen's like, well, isn't that kind of risky, you know, tonight being Halloween and all, and blah when blah the blah and then it turns into well what about a ha past life seance in miss squeaky voice peter pan suggestion yes i, I was i had a hard time especially in the very beginning of this movie like when they're in the car 
or like when they're first at the like the party's just starting. I had a really hard time listening to her because that voice actually Judy more in the Freddy. car and when they're outside before they go into the house. Once they're in the house, her voice. I don't know if it's the way her voice echoes around in the room, but Jilter it's a little or more Sheeta tolerable. Or Kathy Podwell, Judy or Franny. Well, you know the one that I keep saying, squeaky voice, Peter Pan. Oh well, I I I didn't notice anything squeaky about her voice. Or yeah, it's a very um, it's a very high pitched. I just got the feeling that Franny was game. Franny is up for it. It's like, oh, we're gonna have seance. Let's go for it. Oh yeah, she seemed into it. Yeah, she was. She was there to have fun, and damn it, she's gonna have fun. Why not? But Roger is a Franny cat. We find out that pretty soon. Uh, well, his his like, daddy was a preacher. They were needing a mirror to look into, and it couldn't be the the compact because it had to be something they could all look look at at once. And then they heard a noise. And everybody's like, well, what's that? So Stooge is like, oh, let's go find out, and drags Roger along. Yes. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, which, shame on you, it's a good movie. Yeah. And again, we're going to be spoiling a lot, and we already have spoiled some, but we're going to be spoiling quite a bit. So if you haven't seen it, either suck it up, Buttercup, and go watch it, or listen and be spoiled, and then go fucking watch it. Because you need to watch it. But for those of you who aren't familiar with a past life seance, as it works in the movie, I everyone stares at one. I've never, I, I don't think I had either. But I'm not big on all the different kinds of seances, so. I've written down notes on how they say it works in the movie. Everyone stares into a mirror and focuses on one member of the group until the mirror goes black. If they keep staring, the person will reappear in the mirror as they appeared in a past life. Supposedly. Now, supposedly. now Roger chickens out. He, he goes off to, like, poke the fire with a stick for a while. Well, they all stare into the mirror. Yeah, and hold Roger ain't no dummy. In, in this circumstance, you have to admit, yeah, Roger did have the right idea. But holy shit, they all stare in the mirror, and it goes completely black. All their reflections disappear are vanished up in darkness. And someone freaks the fuck out. And says, holy shit. And Angela scolds them for breaking the mood because it was, it was just it, starting to work. It was just starting to work. But unfortunately, uh, they're all, they're all, an argument breaks out. And Helen alone continues to look into the mirror. Well, she's, everyone's still looking back to the one that said, holy shit, as the, they're arguing, a demon face appears and Helen turns back in time to see the demon face flash in the mirror and then cut from the demon face to her smashed face. Yes, you see, Helen keeps looking in the mirror and sees a nightmarish vision of a creature from a realm beyond man. It actually, you know, it's a, it's a wow. cheesy kind of looking. It's Going a, a little melodramatic there, aren't you? Yes. It's it's actually a cheesy looking demon skull head. Uh, I didn't covered, think it was cheesy. I thought it looked pretty kinda, cool. It's kind of cheesy. It's covered in spikes and stuff. Yeah. And it's staring it back like at Helen. It looked like a big demonic dragon. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But, I With mean, like four or six eyes. There was a lot of eyes on that thing. Hellraiser had a big demonic dragon. Why can't this movie? Hellraisers was better. Yeah, well, Hellraisers. Because it was bigger. Topic. <laughs> now, <laughs> Helen gets hysterical when she sees this mad vision of hell, or, well, she sees her, what? She sees a, a face slam against the glass. Yeah, a giant looks fucking like demonic skull, and then your own smashed face. I'd freak out too. Yeah, but luckily, Judy. She goes and gives Helen a cavity. Yes, well, she goes and, and she hugs Helen and says, Helen, why? What's wrong? And Stooge says, oh, God, I can't take this girl anywhere. No, can't take the bitch anywhere. Stooge is an ass. Stooge, Stooge is, is a ass. very misogynistic ass. I'd still rather hang out with him than Jay. I don't know if I would say that would be better than being with a douche, but at the same time, a douche of a different color? Fair enough. Or but, a, uh, a douche from a different bag? The mirror falls over 
the and we get a great shot in the movie where our heedless group of 80s party animals uh after the mirror breaks they all stand around wondering what to do next and they sort of line up looking down at the mirror shards they in turn walk up and one by one start to appear in the shards it's really yeah, cool it is during the commentary like uh the directors said everybody was in awe of him for trying this and, and he yeah and everybody also thought he was nuts when they when he first tried to explain it and then once they saw it they were all just amazed by the shot which says to me kevin tenney should have gone on to do greater things alas that's not how the world works he does low budget stuff apparently this movie has shots that you wouldn't normally get in a movie with this budget it's just well made yeah but then we cut to the basement because something has woken up down there. The thing Helen saw in the mirror, it, it materializes boom, in the darkness boom, of the deep boom. tunnel and begins to float through the darkness of the house, hunting for the souls of those who have disturbed it. Po it's a, possibly a Sam Raimi influence, maybe a little, because it's kind of reminiscent of like the improvised Steadicam that they did. Yeah, it the does have that um, evil dead, evil entity kind of flying through and not ever being seen. Yeah, they're all talking about leaving now because even Angela's freaked out. Well, yeah, because boom, 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 the room got cold. There was a horrible stench. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Angela goes on this rant about how the house is... Not she, She's worried that the house is not haunted. It's possessed. And I somebody believe. asks, well, what's the difference? And she has a nice little monologue about the difference between a, a haunted house and a possessed house. Why didn't you think of that, you know, before you threw the party there, Ange? But okay. Um, well, you know, you find out things because it's sometimes. the 80s. Well, again, they didn't know. You find out things too late sometimes. Indeed, you do. This is another recurring theme in our in our movies. Well, if I would have known at the time, but they mm. didn't know yet, so how could they have done something different? Just like with May. You had the huge issue. Topic. Be, uh, this I am on topic. Okay. You had a huge issue w with the taking advantage of May and how he, he should have known better and how horrible it was because she was essentially just a, a child, child mentally. Well, again, he didn't know. There's, she doesn't walk around with a sign saying, I'm a grown child. So he has to find out these things and you don't find out unless you go and start talking and get to know the person. And when he found out, that's when shit went wrong. And again, here we are in this party where they didn't know it was a possessed house until shit went wrong. Plus, if they all left, there wouldn't be a movie. Well, this is when they decide, well, when Roger and Helen decide, they're out. But they're like, Roger fuck y'all, peace out, we're heading out of here. Oh, by the way, we need a ride. There's a camera roving around the room and the sound gets quieter and you, you can't really hear people's voices, but their faces look stranger because they're flattened out because of the camp is, like I said, this fisheye kind of lens. And it's the demon. It's the entity. It's wandering through the room, looking at everybody. Yeah, this and is it, this is at, right after the boom, boom, boom. And yeah. they're all standing there. And then we see the demonic force come out flying around. And there's a comment about, oh, it's cold. And then it's like, well, forget about the, the cold. Who who ripped one? And then it's, yeah, Stooge is wearing his mom's underwear. Or at least my mom wears underwear. Your mom just wears a, a coin purse, a coin for, the purse for the sailors. And then, and then Linnea Quigley inhales a nice green gas. And then we get the conversation about, fuck y'all, we're out of here. By the way, we need a ride. Suzanne is possessed. Yes. 
But uh, they're all talking about leaving, but now Suzanne's possessed, and she's like, why don't you just leave, chicken shits? The rest of us are here to party, aren't we? And then she, like, even takes Angela's keys and throws them to Roger and says, here, take Angie's car. And Angie's like, Angela's like, what are you doing? Suzanne's like, this is your party, baby. You're not going anywhere. Roger says, like, oh, thanks for the keys, Suzanne. Roger and Helen head out. It, the party goes into, like, breakup mode. Because, like, uh, Roger and Helen are leaving. Then you got the four group, the, the four preppies, okay, that are Max, Franny, Judy, and uh, Jay, the douche. And Well, uh, high-pitched pit, high Peter Pan, Mr. Dr. Man, the douche, and Alice in Wonderland wander off, though Alice does not want to go anywhere. She wants to stay and party with everyone else. When they're like, yeah, okay, so let's keep partying. And the douche is like, no, nah, I, I think we're going to go explore. And all he's really wanting to do is explore Wonderland. Pretty much. But uh, that leaves uh, Stooge and uh, Sal with Suzanne and Angela. Yeah. And Suzanne is now a demon. And has to go to the bathroom. She has to go to the bathroom. She decides to take Stooge with her. Yeah. Sal offers to go and she says, I'd rather take Stooge. And Sal's like, Stooge, why take Stooge? He's a fat pig. And she says, well, maybe I feel like pork tonight. At which point Stooge honks like a pig. Hey, if she's saying I feel like pork and you're being, you're the one being compared to a pig, would you oink? Yes, yes I would. Case closed. There you go. Before she leaves, before she goes to uh, the bathroom with uh, with Stooge, she walks up to Angela and just lays a pretty oh, intense wow. lesbian, yeah. a pretty heavy lesbian kiss on her, which is thrilling in itself. If you weren't watching before, you're watching when the camera goes nuts. But uh, yeah, Sal and Stooge see the lesbian action happen there for a minute, and they're like, okay, now it's a party. Look, Amelia Kincaid in, in that dress, Linnea Quigley in that dress, and they start making out? I'm I'm buying a ticket for that show. Yeah, I'd pay to see it. Angela is possessed now as well, because the demon entered Suzanne's mouth when she kissed Angela. She passed the demon on to Angela. So now there are two demons. Well, she didn't pass it on she just infected i, I would i'd say more of that because passing on makes it makes sound it sound more like, like it it's no longer Suzanne. yeah she passed on the possession or whatever she inf uh, she infected angela with demon it's possible that suzanne was possessed by multiple demons when she inhaled the smoke and she had some despair when she kissed angela apparently they attribute a lot of the success of this movie at the time to the raging AIDS epidemic of the time. Because when this came out, it was there was still quite a few people that believed that it could be spread through kissing. So when you have this scene and Suzanne goes up and gives this big kiss to Angela and now all of a sudden she's infected as well, it kind of played on that fear. Stooge and Suzanne, they run off to the bathroom. We actually get a little sweet moment with Stooge because uh, Suzanne, she runs into the bathroom and says, Oh, I thought you were going to say the sweet moment is when Stooge lights up Linnea's ass for us with the flashlight. Well, that was, okay, I wasn't going to say that, but that was nice too. Um, <laughs> Suzanne runs in the bathroom and says, ladies before germs, and slams the door in his face. And Stooge is like, uh, uh, but... Well, yeah, what? they've been searching for the bathroom and they checking doors and can't find it. And he says, he goes to a door and says, 
this better be it because if not, I'm watering the hall. And she says, well, no, this one. So he turns, opens the door. It's the bathroom. And he stops and like, well, how did you know? And she, ladies before germs and runs in before he can. All his bluster fades away. And he seems to be kind of a nervous little puppy knocking politely at the door and saying like, I thought we'd go in together. And then this ultimate confused teenage boy move, he, he yeah. stands outside the bathroom waiting for her to come out. So it's like, oh, you poor Well, I mean, bastard. at the same time, if you got to go, and that's the only bathroom you know of and someone's in there you're gonna stand there and wait yeah true but it's still i mean he does look like a lost puppy though oh god forbid a puddle should appear somewhere in a corner of hull house he wouldn't want to do that to this landmark i'm surprised he just didn't open a window and piss out it though all but one of the windows seem to be boarded up it's also it's it's not a good time for suzanne because uh because uh, this is time for some amazing practical effects the demon possessing her has decided to torture her by destroying her beauty in the mirror while she watches uh sort of makes suzanne into a she's kind of vain you know and she's justly proud of her looks linnea quigley was by the way linnea quigley was pushing 30 when she played the part yeah she initially didn't want to take this part because she thought she was too old yeah but because of trash they're like no we want we want her to come in and they kept insisting and finally she gave in because if you could get Linnea in your movie, you could get butts in the seats. That's how it worked, people. It was the 80s and Linnea well, that was huge. But Linnea does a fine job and brings just the right amount of, of ham and menace to the to the part. Uh, but but what happens to Suzanne is she's watching in the mirror and her face ages. To yeah, like, initially her face kind of distorts and her lips pull way back and kind of like a fish face. Yeah. Um, which the the guy that, I mean, we've, we've said, that he ended up Steve becoming hit, becoming her husband, and he came up with a rig that he, that he could put on Linnea's face. That when she leaned her her head forward, it would pull her cheeks back and distort her lips. So all of this is done practically, and it goes from her face being distorted to then now it's aged and all wrinkly, and it comes back to shape. But when they did it initially, the way it was lit, it's like okay, it distorts, and they had to light it specifically so you don't see the wrinkles. And then they come back to her aged, and they had to relight it so you did see the wrinkles. But the problem they had is the lighting changed because she'd have to move her face to get this device to work so her face would go back to shape. So they had to coordinate the lighting, the camera, and her movement. So three people had to work in unison in this one little shot just to get this effect to work. And it came off beautifully. Uh, While Suzanne is being tortured by the demon inside of her, Judy and Max and Jay and Franny... The preppy gang. I'm going to call them the preppy gang from now on. High-pitched Peter Pan, Mr. Dr. Man, the douche, and Alice. They're just wandering around, and uh, Max, the Dr. Man, oh, he's telling more stories about the house. Apparently, the place was feared and hated by the local Indian tribe. Why? When Because uh, everything on the side they're on of the submerged stream was considered cursed or bad land or something. And yeah, it was an evil, evil place. One time, a brave got lost and settled there by mistake. Oh, this is tri- one hell of a story. And I, tribe, I would like a movie of just this story. When the tribe found him, he what was he doing? He, I know he was eating. He was sitting in a teepee made out of the intestines of his squaw and eating the leg of his papoose. 
Yeah, so uh, something went bad there for that guy. What an awesome place to party and screw. Well, I mean, if again, if you don't know the backstory, or it could be that it's some guy yeah, is there telling them the legend. backstory. Uh, he's there. He knows the backstory. Yeah, he but went in. It's local legend. How many places have local legend, and it's never happened? Well, either way, there hasn't been enough screwing because Max gets a hint that Jay doesn't want to go want to hear anything more about this stuff because it's turning his date off. I don't know Max if it was necessarily, it was turning her off. It was like, okay, you know what? She's creeped out. Now I got my arm around her to comfort her. Now's, now's my chance that she's in my arms. Dude, get the fuck out. I hate these, I hate these things you humans have called interpersonal signals. Fucking body language. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Max and Franny see that Jay and Judy are getting a little closer. So Max and Franny decide to wander off. To uh, find find, something to do. Find something to do. That's right. Or find somewhere to do it, one or the other. And Jay starts putting the moves on Junior right away. He doesn't start putting the moves on. He becomes El Ducherino. And I say that should be a double drink. He, okay, so she's already creeped out. She is standing there. He comes up behind her, puts his arms around her waist, which, okay, you know what? No big deal. But he doesn't just give her a hug like that or just hold her like that. No, puts his arms around her waist and goes right for the boob. It's not even like he's standing there for a bit and works his way to it. It's my arms are around her. Now I'm grabbing her tits. This douche doesn't have any slow game. No. Because men in 80s movies are irredeemable perverts who will make a woman out of Barbie dolls and a modern and a modem while wearing bras on their heads because that is how much they needed it in the 80s. At no point did Judy give him any kind of hint or signal or that, anything that she was wanting that we cut to roger and helen they're outside and suddenly the damn gate's gone roger has been walking around the circumference yeah they went the, around the house twice they went around the house twice and roger's like there has got to be a damn gate here and helen is like no there's no gate we've been around twice we're dead and in hell but she's pretty chill about it. She's she's apparently kind of resigned to the fact that they're dead and in hell. Roger yeah, she seems case. pretty much like a, there's nothing we can do about it, so let's just figure out how we're going to survive. She's more into, look, it's not here. We need to move on and stop looking for that and go to the next step. Roger is, fuck this. I know it's got to be here somewhere as he continues to slap the brick wall. Yeah, he keeps patting it like somebody hid the hid the gate with bricks. It's like he's playing patty cake with it or something. We go back to Judy and Jay and she ain't falling for this shit with this douche. No, he's all over her. Oh, okay. He's, he's douching it up hard. Yeah, he's on top of her. Aggressively kissing her. And she just looks delighted, by the way. Uh, well, at first, it's like she's kissing back, and then suddenly it's like he's just going to town, and she's like, what the fuck, dude? This is a little much. Yeah, and she sort of pushes him on the shoulders and says, Jay, what are you doing? He says, oh, come on, Judy. I know you went all the way with Sal. Stop the act. And he's like, yeah, and, and she finds out through the course of a short conversation that he is a complete creep, and that he only went out with her because he thought she was a sure no, thing. He's a complete douche. Essentially, he knew that she... He went out with Sal and according to him, the whole school knows about her and Sal. And she's like, well, yeah, I went out with him once. And he and says, once is all it takes. Yeah. 
So because she went out with him once and apparently maybe somebody lied or who knows, maybe she did sleep with him. I would say probably not based on the way the rest of her character is, but he's basically just saying, yeah, I'm here with you because I thought you put out and figured, oh, let me take her to this place where she'll be just all over my dick jumping on me from fear and I'll get laid by this extremely attractive blonde that apparently everybody thinks is Miss Sweetie Pie and is really sharing her sweet pie. The misogyny of this movie is overwhelming at times. He then proceeds to try and get- But you know, compare overwhelming misogyny to overwhelming pedophilia. Like in Sleepaway Camp? Exactly. Yeah. I think this is a step up. Fair enough. We have graduated from pedophilia to misogyny. Uh, I I wouldn't say that's graduation. (laughs) I was going to say that. That, that might not be the graduating class you want to be a part of. By the way, this this entire conversation happens while they are making out on the slab of a mortician's table. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a. I forgot about that. The, it they was were one laying of those, on a slab. It was one of the, it's one of those steel slabs that they lay a dead body on to do an autopsy. Okay, so put yourself in the mind of Judy here for a second. Judy gets fed up with him and shoves him off the floor. Well, okay, now this is where floor. I'm saying put your put yourself in Judy's head for a second. So this guy, this douche, is laying on top of you, aggressively kissing and going way faster than what you're ready for. You tell him to stop. He's like, well, what the fuck, bitch? I thought you put out because, you know, you went out with that guy and you defended him earlier and everybody knows that you went out with him. So you must be a whore. Give me some. Which is like, well, what the fuck? That's, yeah, it's none of your business what I did with him. And he's all pissed off. She's pissed off. And yet he decides, well, let me go back in for another kiss. Are you going to be like, okay, yeah, Bring it on, big boy. Or are you going to be fuck off, you douche? I, if you thought I was objecting to Judy's treatment of Jay, I. Oh uh, no, I'm not I saying apologize. you're objecting. I'm just laying out because you just went for yeah. So she got pissed off and dumped him off the table. This is what's going on. I am 100 yeah. percent on her side, but we keep calling this guy a douche. There's a reason. Exactly. And by now, if you have been drinking every time we have said douche, you're probably you, you might, might want to pause this till you sober up. Or you might because, want to stop drinking. There, yeah, you, know, you might want to call poison control. But I just think it's it's there's a little bit of comedy in the scene, uh, not only in the fact that you know, in she this scene it, where she pushes him off, but also it's just the fact that they are making out on a steel mortician slab in an abandoned funeral home slash mortuary slash murder house on Halloween night on the anniversary of the night the necrophile owner of the place massacred his whole family and cooked his mate. I don't know if I would say that's comedy so much as she has every right to be like, you know, this place is too creepy for me to put out. And he's even more douche to say, I don't give a fuck. I'll nail you anywhere, even if it is on this cold slab in an old mortuary in a house where multiple people were slaughtered. Because this is an 80s movie and damn it, sex can happen anywhere or not happen anywhere. Well, speaking of anywhere, remember, we still have Mr. Dr. Man and high-pitched Peter Pan. You keep calling her that. Or squeaky Peter Pan. Because I can't remember the fucking characters' names. We've been through this with other movies i'm horrible with names so i just end up calling them all these other things fair enough i mean we had mr batch we had saving private ryan yeah we had elderly private ryan i'm horrible with names jay is so much of a douche that he locks her in the morgue on his way out i was wondering about that did he lock her in or did the door jam or did the house lock the door i think he locked her in because he's a douche 
I mean, it's possible, but it's never really clear. He just walks out and she follows him. And it's like, he's he's like, well, fine. If you're not going to put out, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find someone that, that will. Oh, by the way, I happen to know someone that was flashing her ass. Let me go and find her. Huh. So he takes off and she's like, no, Mr. Douchey Man, come back. Don't leave me in this room all by myself, Mr. Douchey Man. Oh, I think you just said, Jay, Oh, yeah. She, yeah. I'm just not giving him the credit of saying his name. Um, mm. Yeah. So she's asking. After him, like full on, just almost like Dad an abuse victim. Oh, it's almost being... like that abuse. Like, okay, yeah, you know you shouldn't, but yet you keep going back. Well, he is a gaslighting. Or probably. it's just her, just undying, sickening positivity and naive naivete that she shows throughout this whole movie. That she's like, well, maybe he's not really as bad as he is, as he just was. Maybe he's not as big a douche as I think he is because he was only going out with me to see my bodacious boobs that my brother loves. We cut back to Stooge and he hasn't had any luck getting into that bathroom so he finally gets tired and loses it and goes too far and just breaks down the door and Suzanne is gone well he he, he hears a noise and goes and looks through a doorway or something and the wind blows and he freaks the fuck out and then he goes back over to the bathroom and he hears glass shatter and she's not answering so he busts in to see what's going on because glass shattered and now she's not answering is there something wrong he's actually being a good guy at this point he's being gallant good for yes. good for stooge he See, he stooge shows signs shown, of humanity of being a point. person yeah. yes there's some he had redeeming that, quality he, he had that sweet moment where he was he was upset that she had locked him out and then he and he has this thing where he tries to go in and see what, something's wrong mm -hmm. so so stooge is a halfway decent person there, there's some decency in there but we cut to sal watching angela who has apparently used her demonic abilities to fix the boom box uh because now Bahasa's Stigmata Martyr is blaring and Angela's dancing. So and the director, he needed someone that could dance. And oh my God, it is epic to watch. And initially he did not want her for this role who he initially wanted was not a dancer and everybody else is like no we need to get this one instead and he's like no 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 so somebody came to him with amelia kincaid dancing in the stray cats video and he's like okay yeah i see it now so brought her in and let her choreograph this dance though he did say okay you can choreograph the dance but leading up to it i need you to go from here to here act like you are this demon that is just realized you are in this female body and you're just feeling yourself and and getting used to oh i got curves here i got these here you're just kind of getting used to your new environment so as she goes around the room and ends up in the doorway and is feeling herself up and all that that is her actually or that is her demon actually just kind of acclimating himself before this amazing dance sequence yeah and uh amazing it is sal's sitting there like okay this is weird but damn she looks good i think sal gets a little too freaked out because yep. uh he decides to back out of the room and, and leave uh but that's just a stew just coming in mm -hmm. and uh and this is when we get the line that ties all four movies together. And what line is that? It's not the weird ones you got to watch out for. Didn't your mama teach you anything? As Stooge ah. goes over to the weird one and gives Angela a kiss as they dance, gets his earring ripped out and his tongue bit off. And loses his soul. to. And in every movie, time. it was the weird Angela you had to watch out for. Yes, it was. It's amazing how I've managed to tie all four of these movies together, isn't it? Yes, you genius. You madman. Oh, 
Just wait. Huh. See if you see if you can figure out how I'm going to do the next group. Mm. <laughs> yeah, she dances with a stooge, bites out his tongue, spits out the tongue, tears his earring out. Well, the, her the stooge... sleeve of her dress got caught on his earring. So when she pulls her arms back to let him go, that ripped his earring out. And they didn't realize it. And they were going to, to fix his makeup. And they're like, well, what's this? And they realize it's part of his ear. Right. And I think he told him to just super glue it shut or something. I can't remember if he said something about super glue i thought he said something about cutting the piece off the piece that was hanging i thought he said something about cutting that off but sticking the earring back through the hole yeah. because he didn't want to go through life with a disappearing earring and be like well he's wearing this earring throughout this movie and then suddenly it disappears he didn't want that he didn't okay. want to be known for that so he's like fuck it i'll put up with this till we get done and this mm. movie is a lot of fuck it i'll put up with this to get this done but uh stooge danced with the devil's daughter and lost his soul and his voice on halloween night so i'd say that's a pretty good halloween party i don't know about you but uh um well i would say if demon. you're gonna go out of the ways to go out a kiss with amelia kincaid is not the worst no it is not though to have your tongue ripped out like that mm, I, that, that, that might that, that, that might make me sick second guess my decision but you know like i said you can either go out that way or you can go out by i don't know falling from a tree from there we get to a lot of little interactions like sal uh sal is wandering around after ditching angela and he finds suzanne and uh she makes eyes at him but uh well he's like no well, she thanks, can't get her face. makeup right oh yeah i can't get my makeup right yeah she's drawn she's with her lipstick drawn what looks like a very crude heart on her face like from between her eyes around her eyes down to her chin like she made this weird giant heart shape on her on face. her face sal he takes one look at her and says no thanks doll face i'm going home get plastic slip covers over the furniture that's classy for sal that, yeah. uh, you know you know nice that's clean place you... with plastic slip covers over the furniture can, yeah. well, he's looking forward to getting home that night. And can hey, you blame him? If you spent that much time in that house, yeah, uh, yeah, go to some place with some plastic slip covers or the furniture would be very comforting. Yes, but uh, for some reason, instead of just leaving, Sal is going around uh, telling everyone he's going to leave. So I think he's maybe looking for somebody or something. Well, he wanders off and finds her, and it's like you know everybody in here. This place is fucked up because right now it's just Angela's acting weird because he didn't see the tongue biting thing. He's already left by the point yeah. so angela's acting weird he's wandering off to find someone else he sees her with the makeup and it's like okay is everyone's acting weird is everyone on drugs and decides that's yeah it's too much for me i'm out of here and heads for the door does he head straight for the door though um i think the next time we see him is when he's when, telling angela he's leaving and then angela turns around yeah but, but i Susanna, think there's more before that i mean the, that's the next time we see him but i think there's more that happens before we get yes to there point. is linnea quigley gives the world another one of her immortal breast uh, shots and yeah. uh, unbuttons her top and plays with her lipstick because demons do weird things when they're in human bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Judging by what we've seen in movies, uh, yeah, okay. I, I can agree with that. But uh, because sex can happen anywhere in an 80s movie, we, we follow Dr. Man and uh, squeaky-voiced Peter Pan, or Max and Franny, as I call them. Uh, they, they find a room full of coffins uh, in the funeral home of murder and native legend and decide this is where they're going to screw. Are they caskets screw. or coffins? I, I they believe they were caskets. Yes. Ca they say I've never... He says, I've never made it in a coffin. She says, I haven't either. But I believe... 
believe there's caskets in the room. Yeah. And there are people out there that are going to know there's a difference and know what I'm talking about. And other people are going to be like, it doesn't fucking matter. Just move on. Uh, Jill Tereshita and Phil Tanzini, they find that room full of coffins and they're, well, <laughs> we've found we found all we need, baby. This is the place for us to screw and uh, screw we shall. Okay. Boobies. Boobies. Okay. So this, this movie had a barely their budget. They wanted to have SAG actors. Judy had her SAG card because she had done a TV show. But in order to have all your SAG actors, you have to pay a certain amount. So Judy was in, they had to pay her so much. Um, but you also have nice her little- Jill. Um, hmm? Jill Tereshita was, uh, or, or was Judy. You Judy, Alice in Wonderland character? Yes. They, they, okay, they had to pay yeah. her so much. Yeah, so they had to pay her so much because she had her SAG card. But in order to get away with all that and still keep your budget, there's this nice little diversity thing that you can pull where if you have at least so many of your characters be female or some ethnicity other than just a white actor, if you meet that percentage then you can actually pay your people less because you're you're meeting diversity requirements so he said i need you to f- go out and find me an ethnic female that doesn't mind showing her tits that's how she got the role the magic she was an movies, ethnic people. female that didn't mind flashing her tits that's so when i say her flashing her tits is how she got the or is why she got this role that's that's it if she wouldn't have been willing to do that they would have moved on and found someone else yes but her line reading was Crap. Much just okay fine i'm not a fan of how she did the lines in this movie at all I, I don't get me wrong i like the character and i think it added something to it but the her line delivery in this movie left something to be desired for me okay you seem very passionate about this Grim. i think because i've seen her in other things i think she's done good in other things i think this was just too early in her career all right that that's my feeling but uh we you go forgot back to where Su- we were, didn't you? <laughs> no, we we go back to Suzanne, and she's drawing a spiral on her breast da, da, with da, da, lipstick. Da, da. Do we want to spoil this? Uh, yes. You do want to spoil it? You don't want to let them, like if they haven't seen it, you don't want to let them be in for this scene? And Suzanne is drawing a spiral on her breast, and then we see some things that are even weirder that demons do when they're in human bodies. Well, at least this demon. Yes. And then Douche walks in and finds Suzanne half naked with uh, makeup all over her face, and... She flashes her tits. She flashes her tits at him, and... He well, decides he just, she's got a nice paint job, but it needs touching up. The douche sees a girl who's probably high or otherwise incapable of giving informed consent, and he just jumps right on that. I think it's more the douche sees tits, and she seems like she's ready to put out because she openly flashed him. So he was there to get laid to begin with. At this point, the movie starts to heat up pretty literally. Uh, Sal walks in on Angela, and uh, he tells her he's out of there, and she turns around, and she goes... Oh, I didn't hear you. I was just warming my hands and it, Oh, she there was, you are. I was just warming my hands in the fire. And she was warming her hands in the fire because her hands are now on fire, which yep. they shot with I, I think they used Zell gel on her hands, set her hands on fire and then Yeah, I don't know if they used Zell gel or not. I know they said they put some kind of gel, but he's he, he's like I'm not a pyrotechnician. I don't know anything about that shit. So I tested on myself first and figured out, okay, well you can keep this on and burn in for this long before it gets too bad. This is what I'll tell her. If it wasn't Zell gel, I'd like to know what the hell it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know if they said what it was. I know he said that they had a gel. Well, it can't be that many burned gels out there. Should it, it, he I, could have put sterno on her hands for all I care. How dare you? 
Those are Mimi Kincaid's hands. Well, yeah, but you can put Sterno in your hand and light it on fire and let that burn for a while. I've done it. Any pyros out there, you shouldn't play with fire. Yeah, don't and play with any, fire. And any any people out there, you shouldn't go out there and rip open your Sterno cans and try to like light things on temporary fire with them or do. And I will dangerous. tell you a, a good reason why not to. Well, why I not? I have had Sterno on my hand and I have lit it on fire and I was with a group of people and we were all doing it and one of them left it burning a little too long and started flinging his hand around like trying to put it out just kind of waving his hand real fast trying to put it out and as he was doing that hot flaming sterno flew off his hand into my eye so don't play with lit sterno don't play with fire fire is something to be respected and admired because of its enormous destructive power it is loki it will destroy you as it nourishes you yeah respect it or it it will come back to to hurt you and it'll bite you in the ass and burn it off at the same time. Angela shows her hands and they are aflame. Sal sees that and backs up and leaves, but doesn't leave the house again. Well, he tried, but the door was locked. Oh, he did? Yeah, he tried to leave, but he couldn't because the door was locked. And she got up to come after him and he's like, fuck, I can't get out this way and tries to go back around the stairs and down the hall and kind of slips and manages to skitter down the hall as she's coming after him. Oh, my theory about Sal keeps dying and dying. Raj is still in the car, and uh, I think he might have been, he, he was either dozing or taking a nap, but he wakes up real quick when Helen's dead body well, falls out of the sky and lands on the roof of the car. So Raj and Helen went to leave. They yeah, were trying they to find, find, they the were gate. trying to find the gate and couldn't find it. Right. Then and, Helen vanishes. And then H- Helen just suddenly vanished. And Roger climbed into a car to chill out. When Helen vanishes, you see a little bit of a shadow, and then, and because you see her her shadow as he's talking to her and then you see a little shadow change and then there's no shadows and he realizes wait a minute i don't hear her anymore looks around and she's gone so no idea who took her how she vanished or anything but suddenly she was gone he freaks and goes and hides in what has to be angela's car yeah um because there's only two cars there and douche drives the mustang this is not the mustang yeah it's angela's car um so he's hiding in angela's car it bounces around he freaks out and it's like stooge it's got to be you you're the only one fat enough to get to make this car move that much and no one's answering so he sticks his head up close to the windshield and then suddenly bam splat helen's face is pressed against the windshield the same as you saw it in the mirror earlier foreshadowing yeah a little bit of that no but i watched the movie like like three times this week and uh, and obviously you remember it better than me well i just finished watching it there you go i i seriously just watched but I, how I, the hell i will say yes i just did, finished did watching it but i've watched from... it one i watched it once last night without any of the the commentary i watched it again with a commentary just last night the night before i watched it with a different commentary i've watched this movie a lot just in the last few days but over the years i watched this movie i would say at least three times a year, which mm. I know there's movies I watch more often than that, but I've seen this movie a lot. And I remember I remember when this movie first came out um, because I saw the the nice big standees of Angela in oh, the cool. rental stores. And I was like, no, I have to see that movie. And the day it came out, I got the first one they put on the shelf. Well, since you get on me for uh, coming up with things that might have happened off screen or explaining things off for off screen when in other cases, oh, I- shit. 
What did I yeah, get myself I, into? Oh, nothing. I have a feeling you're you're going to throw a gotcha at me here. No, nothing like that, unfortunately. Uh, I, have, I, had a, <laughs> I had a theory that Helen was maybe possessed herself off screen, tried to fly over the wall and failed and landed on the car. Yeah. Um, at or one maybe point, she was Stooge's first kill and may, had been hiding when she disappeared. Either way, Helen's death is kind of unexplained. Yeah. Um, Stooge, I don't think, was possessed yet. No, he wasn't when possessed she when she disappeared. Uh, but when um, she disappeared, Suzanne was up in the bathroom and Angela was in the in the party room with yeah. with Sal. But right so, after she disappeared, you could hear her voice calling Roger. So maybe a demon got her. Um, at least it sounded to me like her voice. But at one that. point they say in one of the commentaries, I can't remember which one, but one at one point they say something about her falling out of the tree, which I don't remember seeing any trees big enough, close enough to that car that she could have fallen out of onto the, tr- onto the car. At the same time, they also didn't have trees there anyway, and they apparently had all those trees you see by the wall they had to bring in because it was a fucking parking lot they were filming in. And the wall was 10 feet long. Yeah, it was like, I think they said it was like 20 foot of brick wall and then nothing. And on the other side of it was cars and homeless people screaming and all kinds of other shit. Yeah. So they they had to ADR all of the exteriors because even a cricket wouldn't come here. Ah. However the hell Helen died, it got Roger out of the car and it got him back in the game. So Helen's dead. Roger ran back in the house because he freaked out, which I don't know why he went back in the house, but I guess you're not safe anywhere because you can't get through the gate that doesn't exist. You're not safe outside because Helen. So you might as well go back to where at least you don't have to worry about, I don't know, acid rain. We go back to Jay and Suzanne and we are blessed by the delightful Linnea Quigley with a scene every male watching this movie in the 80s remembers with delight. Linnea, as Suzanne, drops her panties and pulls up her skirt to show her very tanned and Well, she takes her, she slowly takes her panties off and then she slowly takes off her, what's that, a petticoat? Petticoat. Is that what that's called? So she take then she takes that off and then steps out of it and then starts doing like a can-can type skirt flip-up flash thing. And she shows she's not wearing anything underneath the skirt to Jay the douche. Yep. But Jay doesn't bat an eye at this woman who is very likely impaired. He's busy taking advantage of a possessed Suzanne when... Well, okay, and, and again, we're back to things you don't know. Uh, well, I don't necessarily that. say... Or I don't know if I would necessarily say he's busy taking advantage of a possessed Suzanne. I think a possessed Suzanne is taking advantage of him because it's obvious he's a douche because he has been after her all night, even though he's also been with the hottest person in the room. Well, all right. Hottest person in the room. I guess the hottest person in the room would be a very subjective term. He is with a very attractive woman himself, and instead of paying attention to the one he brought, he is more after the one that's flashing the goods. Indeed he is. What happens is uh, she gets on top of him, and uh, they proceed to do the dirty, and Suzanne starts asking him, is my makeup okay? What is are you my looking makeup at? Okay? What are, and he he's like, what are you talking about? She puts on her game face, if I can borrow a term from Buffy. Don't look at me. Stop looking at me. She says, stop looking at me. Don't look at me. And uh, reaches down to pop his eyeballs out with her thumbs. Yep. Or was it her fingers? Um, It was her thumbs that That's she popped the cherry tomatoes with. Yes. Suzanne's possession is an interesting case in the movie because the demon doesn't seem to do much besides torture Suzanne herself uh, that I noticed. Uh, Angela. What would you call her- what she just did? Well, no, I, I think it's like uh, 
the the demon inside Suzanne is is more concerned about torturing Suzanne than it is about going out there and doing murder. I think uh I, I think it like uh I think the, the Suzanne demon is more, demon is more it's kind of like the one you can't, you, you shove in, in the shadows and okay, now we're going to use this one to, to scare people our way. So as soon as someone starts to to run by, you got to jump out and make sure they go the direction we want. I don't know. The demons don't seem very good at hurting. Well, they all ended up in the same place. Be that as it may. I, I just, I. The demon it, it it makes Suzanne look in the mirror and see her own face get withered. It you know so it's it, it, it plays on very, her vanity issues. It plays on her vanity yeah. issues and uh, it it puts on her makeup like it was making fun of the way Suzanne constantly touched up her makeup. It forces her to have sex with a douchebag. I I'm also gonna say I think everyone's death was very appropriate, but we will I, have to get through the rest of the deaths before I can explain that. Jay screams though when he's getting his eyes popped out the douche has got to let out a scream and that's when uh we see franny and max and they're doing what they were doing in the coffin and And that's uh, when we see franny and franny pops up out of the coffin what was that that's when we almost see franny fanny but instead we see boobies we see more boobies and we like boobies max and franny have stopped their coitus mortuaris to ponder what what that coitus mortuaris what the fuck is coitus Coitus mortuaris. <laughs> I have never heard coitus. Coitus mortuaris to ponder what the fuck that scream was they just heard. Max reckons it's just somebody being a nutcase at the party. He is sadly wrong. And un- unfortunately, Demon Stooge walks in. He pretty much kills them both. He he, he snaps Franny's neck like he he's twisting her head off the off of her body and then he he slams the uh slams the coffin down on max until his arm is severed by it yeah and, and from this point on anytime you see them her head is backwards and he has one arm even though they do put their clothes back on later yeah they they do become modest she had her head turned around so she had an extra special handicap because she had to walk around with a fake face on the back of her head and walk backwards. And even when she was walking forward, she couldn't really see well because now she had a wig over her face. Well, I would have liked it if Linnea Quigley had maybe uh, castrated Jay. Yeah. So this is where I was saying, I think they missed a trick because I think for the rest of the movie, not only having the eyes gouged out, but even if they just had a blood stain on his crotch. That would have worked great. I thought that would have been brilliant. No, but uh, alas, they missed it there, like you said. And that was one of the things when I first saw it, and it's like, okay, he sees her now suddenly in that makeup. Two questions went to mind. One, um, did she clamp down and pinch it off? Two, if not, how quick would that kill a boner? Uh, Are you going to go from diamond dick to jello dick in a heartbeat? Or it's like, ugly, but damn, from the neck down. I know I'd lose it when she goes for my eyes. Those were the two questions that came to mind. It's like, okay, how quick is that a boner killer? And is that going to get pinched off? And I really think they should have done the whole pinched off thing. It would have been a nice touch to have just a blood stain. Would you say that like her demon grew vagina dentata? Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily go along the teeth route, even if it was just a musculature thing. Just have this look like she's squeezing just this 
Well, Just do a little is. facial thing, and because he already has this panic look, and it could have been like she did, she did that while gouging out his eyes or something. I mean, it, just to have that would have been a nice touch. This just a long shot of her on top of him and blood just spraying out from between them. No, I wouldn't even have done that. I would have just said, when you see him from that point on, there's a stain there. And it's like, okay, is that from him? Is that from her? And everybody's like, damn, she fucking ripped it off. That would be good. Jay is dead, thankfully. And uh, Raj and Sal run into each other in the hallways, of which there are many in this house. The house is Wonderland, I believe, as yep. it's described by Kevin Tenney and uh, others in the commentary. So I Alice would, in and, Wonder Hell. And it could make gates disappear. So I, I have to wonder if maybe the house could grow hallways. Or just change its layout. Change its layout. You never know. Yeah. I mean, all bets are off when you're in a supernatural situation with... Uh, well, he did say, too, that he'd visited the the sets when they were doing and i can't remember if it was just for two or what but he visited I sets he for the sequels and, and he, he got lost because he he was going by the the layout of the house that he had made for the first movie but then he realized the layout the layout of the house for the first movie was what he created by moving doors and shit so his layout wasn't even real to begin with. Right. Uh, Stooge, the demon Stooge, almost finds Judy locked in the morgue where uh, Douche left her. And she uh, thinks it's Douche coming back for some reason, and it just keeps calling him through the door to let her out. Lucky for her, uh, demon Stooge is not that smart. He hears Sal tell Roger to like, go this way or whatever, and it's like, oh, there's people out here. Let me go that way. And he doesn't find them because Sal and, and Raj apparently are walking right towards him and they find the same place he was outside the morgue door. And you know, apparently Demon Stooge just wandered off and got lost looking for Sal and Roger. It's a confusing layout. We've been through this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's so confusing. In- even the demons that possess the house can't find their way around. If, uh, well, Suzanne found the bathroom. Uh, anyway. Well, you know, you got to have your priorities. There's certain rooms you need to make sure you know where they are. Kitchen, yeah, those, bathroom. Those rooms don't move. Crematorium. Stooge doesn't find Judy, but Sal and Raj find Judy. And uh, Raj but is it is Judy? Like, How do you, we really know it's How Judy? How do we know it's her? How do we know? Do we, it could be someone else in there pretending to be Judy. And that's Raj. Well, who else would it be? Yeah. So uh, Raj is a fraidy cat, but... Uh, hey, Roger, right now, up to this point in the movie, Roger is the only one that has made sense from square one. He has. He has. Uh, he's he's batting a thousand so yeah. far. And but, uh, remember, he's the sole black man in a horror movie. He has, every he has right already afraid. defeated the odds by not being the first one to die. He has every right to be afraid. Yep. They open the door. It's Judy. Sal and her, Sal and Judy have a big hug. And Roger sees someone coming down the hall, freaks the fuck out. It's Angela. And, and Roger takes off. Books. Roger vanishes from the scene. Sal and Judy run away from Angela, who is floating down the hallway, looking absolutely horrific now with her full demon face on. Twisted fangs coming out of the mouth. No eyebrows. You put Mimi Kincaid in a horrifying makeup. You give her some messed up nails. You give her an upside down cross earring. You put her in roller skates and you push her down the hallway or you pull her with a dolly and it's while in a wheelchair while in a wheelchair and uh you really i really can't say enough one thing this movie goes for hard is atmosphere and the, the, uh the house is an it's the house is its own character and uh i mean with with angela coming down the hallway with the music playing under her uh, the characters have 
they have good reason to run when Fuck they see yeah. when they see what's coming down the hall. Angela and, is frightening. And I don't, I don't think many people are laughing when Angela or Stooge or Suzanne go full evil. No, we we have right now we have hit the peak of scary Angelas for for our May month. Yeah, but uh, but the movie becomes a serious matter of cat and mouse fighting for survival from this point. And uh, you have to wonder watching the movie. Uh, oh, Judy's not really going to get hurt. No, because who would give the cavities if she died? You have to have that, some kind of wholesomeness to this, right? Or, but then again, I mean, she does get into some pretty close calls. So I think it has a good balancing act between, okay, this is the character that everybody knows is going to live, but she's paired up with the guy who everybody thinks is going to die. Now, who's going to get away? How's it going to work out? And it pulls all these twists and turns, cat and mouse kit things as they run through the hallways, getting away from Angela and all, all this. It's genuinely scary. It's genuinely suspicious. Yeah, you, you get a few moments where everyone's running away from somebody. Roger just vanishes. After Angela shows up he's gone he is out of there like a flash and then sal and judy find suzanne there's a little dark comedy with the amazing linnea quigley uh delivering the line how about an orgy i'm sure if we try we can get jay hard again she's cradling his dead body in her arms is showing off the fact that he has no eyes anymore and her bloody thumbs and her bloody thumbs. Sal has noticed that there is one window in the house that's not boarded up. So he goes to open the window so they can escape and then notice her in the corner with douche head in her lap and gives that line. Sal tells Judy to run. Judy freaks out, stays there. Linnea Quigley jumps up now all demon faced and, and bitch slaps Sal out the window. Yeah, just one punch. Yeah. And he's he, he is flying out the window because the demons are not to be fucked with. Yeah. Uh, Linnea Quigley is not a large woman. She is very petite. And she hit this man and launched him through that window. So the demons have superhuman strength. And uh, they are not to be, like I said, not to be fucked with. Yep. But then she just mocks what he said and says, run, Judy, run, after Judy has already Yeah, and apparently she out. was initially supposed to be in makeup for this. But because of how much they hated the demon makeup process because it took for some of them it took like i think she said at one point for her it was like 15 to 16 hours oh, um stooge i think his was like 11 hours amelia kincaid burn? she says said her, hers was like six hours in one of the commentaries and i don't remember which one it was because there well i don't remember which one said it there's two different commentaries depending on which version of this you get if you get the blu-ray there's two if you get the regular old dvd there's just the one the one is director and producers the blu-ray has one that's that same director producers and another one that's director and actors the director and producers one with that one they were talking about how there was one point where and they can't remember which cast member it was or they remember and aren't willing to say but they went in and one of the the female cast members and I think it was when the makeup was coming off, but she was sitting in the chair crying because of the torture of this makeup being applied and taken off over and over. And at one point, and I, I think it was for this one, but it could have been one of the sequels, but Amelia Kincaid has even said that at one point they refused to put her demon makeup on because they couldn't apply it over open wounds 
because oh, of just the taking off of this makeup peeled so much of their skin off. It was hell. So Linnea Quigley was like, I think this, sign, th- this line would be creepier if I did it out of makeup. <laughs> and they're like, you know, I think you're right. And it was just her smart, quick thinking that got her out of going through that torture and ended up in what I do think is a much better scene than her having to go through the process of makeup for that one line. Because like all good dead-eyed demons, they don't have to look like that. They can turn it off and turn back to the human forms whenever they need to. Because, yeah. I'm sorry, they do They, act they like switch back at will, it seems like. At which point, you know, it's a trick. Get an axe is, uh, is always the smartest thing to say. Uh, 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 unless, it, unless you're in Return of the Living Dead, because then an axe isn't going to matter. There aren't deadites in Return of the Living Dead. These There's not really deadites in this movie either. You know, they're kind of like deadites, though, is what I mean, because they're demon-possessed, like, uh, super-powered zombie creatures. Okay. Either way, run the fuck away if you see one. Yes. But from here, the movie follows the various human characters left as they try to escape Hull House. Yeah, all that's left now is Judy, Sal, and Roger alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're avoiding the demons. Well, no. All that's left now is Judy alive, Roger missing, and Sal's knocked out the window. So we don't know if he's alive or not. That's where we're at now. Yes. Okay. And they're having to improvise ways to fend them off, and we'll let you figure out the rest of the movie. Oh, really? You're gonna go? You're gonna go that? Okay. I, I would have at least gone a little further, but I think we've set them up for a fun little part. I th- I think the third act of the movie, or the final act of the movie, is kind of the best, most suspenseful part. And if we give them a play-by-play of that, then we're really spoiling one of the best parts of the movie. At this point, we're we're leaving them in the suspenseful moment where they don't know who's gone where and what's up. So, okay. So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm going to go on record. I don't completely agree that, that we should stop here, but you know, your ball game. I will say there are f- some things that I would like to add. Well, okay. Um, one is barbed wire sucks. Barbed wire does suck. Uh, water pipes the, are sent Thank from God for water pipes. Thank God for water pipes. Sal is alive and does a stunt with Angela that could possibly to this day be the only time it has ever been done. They do a backflip with two characters fully embraced off a three-story roof. Only time, at least up until that point, only time that stunt has ever been done. And if it not, if it wasn't done just right, they would have crushed each other in the, in the landing. There wasn't enough space to put down an airbag, so they had to pile up cardboard boxes for them to hit three deep. Three deep cardboard boxes and a piece of a picket fence. Yeah, because you know the picket fence will stop them. But yeah, I mean that, and it's one hell of a shot. And if it I is. remember right, I think one of them kind of hit the edge or something and didn't hit just right and kind of got her a little hurt. But still, it's one hell of a shot. Yeah. So if you're set on not spoiling the rest, I'm going to say there's some flexible pipe. Thank God for water pipe. Barbed wire sucks. And we should at least touch on the bookend, the Tales from the Crypt style bookend. That old man from the beginning with the razor blades and the apples, well, he has a wife. And I think his wife doesn't quite like what uh, he's been getting up to with trick-or-treaters. So that old man gets what's coming he to him. He weirdly has apple pie for breakfast. Homemade apple pie. And it doesn't go well for him. 
No, because she had to do something with all the leftover apples because they didn't have as many trick-or-treaters as they used to. So since we're not spoiling anything else, that means I'm sure there's some things I said we will get to later that we won't. So that's going to be fun in editing. I'd just like to say, I think every character gets their moment to shine or not shine. I'm going to go on record now and say, if at any point anybody listening to this does a cosplay as Judy at the end of this movie, please send us a picture. Judy's dress at the end, her her look at the end of this movie was amazing. I loved that look. I think it was an, just the coolest fucked up Alice costume outside of American McGee's Alice. You heard him, people. Let's send let's send a picture if you if anybody can pull off that cosplay. If anybody can, if anybody has, if anybody does, I I would love to see a picture of that. But uh, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you. It's a pretty elaborate build up to what happens ultimately that Halloween night at Hull House. But it, it's worth the wait. So, what do you think of it? How how do you feel about this? I found myself enjoying Night of the Demons more as I learned about it. Uh, mo- most of the time, when I've watched it over the years, it's uh, it's always been like more of a more of a background kind of movie. Uh, it's something I'll watch like drunk or for a laugh. But uh, watching it this past week, I, um, I I really appreciated the camera work and the makeup effects. And after the, after you started watching it with like the the commentary and learning what they sober. went through and all that, watching it sober mainly. Which uh, you know, I, I'm gonna say I I've watched this a few times. I've watched it limber and not. And surprisingly enough, there are characters I hate more limber. And characters that I like more limber. And it's weird because when that switch happens, it's like, you know, I hate this fucking character. I, I can't wait for them to die. And then all of a sudden they die. And it's like, oh my God, this is the coolest character ever. A lot of horror movies nowadays, I, I think they, they seem to want to be like the Citizen Kane of horror movies. And, and uh, I, I think Night of, Night of the Demons is wonderfully unpretentious. Yeah. and It's, it's a silly, it, scary, fun little romp of a movie. And, and so many things were done so well on such a little budget that a lot of movies from that point on tried to emulate a lot of, like the makeup, a lot of people tried to copy that and just a lot of the different effects. People started to try and copy because it worked so well for this movie. This movie, when it came out, played at uh, Man's Chinese Theater, Hmm. one of the most famous theaters in cinema. And you're talking about golden age of Hollywood movies played here. Yeah, it doesn't get bigger than that. If you could change anything, what would you change? Um, Bloodstain on the douche. Yeah, same here. uh, Wow, I I almost said I would have had a bloody douche. (laughs) That's awful. Yeah. You're you're a bad person. That's can you imagine isolating that sound bite? Yeah. I would have had a bloody douche. (laughs) Let's put that in an ad. yeah, I think I would have I would have had a blood stain on his pants and not not had a scene where like you said, where it's a a wide shot and you see the blood not had any of that. I would have stuck with how it was, but every time you see him after that, there's that blood blood stain. Other than that, I would I don't know if there's anything I would have changed. Fuck the the continuity things or the wires or any of that fuck it what about the performances that you said were less than top notch i think the fact that they were that way and then like i said once they once they were dead all of a sudden they're great characters i think the fact that their characters were kind of 
shit made it to where it's kind of like luring you in. It's like, okay, I can't wait for these people to die. I'm tired of of this shit acting. And then all of a sudden, once they die and everything ramps up to the point where it's like, holy fuck. I, yeah, I asked for this, but God damn. So I think it actually worked out in their favor that the acting was not the best. I wish I had seen the sequels, but I haven't. I, I still um, can't believe you haven't seen the sequels. I suck. On so some level. what would you change? Uh, pretty much like what you said. I'd, I'd make it so that Jay got castrated so you could see a blood stain or I, I maybe would have made it. A little so you graphic. as well would have had a bloody douche. Uh, I, I, I would have had a mangled dick, uh, possibly. Well, no, because then we're going into sleepaway camp and we got the wrong people in this movie. Felissa no. is not in this. We can't have a mangled dick. We can and we can and should, and it should have been Jay's. Oh, if there's any of them that's going to be that way, yeah. Every movie has room for a mangled dick. As far as Eye of the Demons goes, I, I, I really wish that I had more like uh, happy stories from uh, the cast and crew about how they all went on to do great things. But uh, for a lot, of, sometimes for very talented people, they have one moment in the sun, and and then they have to just keep on working, doing the doing the job they do best in making a living. Okay. So I did say, I think the douche should have been the white rabbit. Um, and I've said, I've said a few times, this is Alice in Wonderhell. Yes. If you watch this movie as a twisted Alice in Wonderland take, you can't help but notice the similarities between like this. And I would say more of like the Disney Alice in Wonderland rather than the books, because like the scene where all the doors are closing, it's after, after, Suzanne is like, yeah, run, Judy, run. And she's out in the hall and all the doors start closing and it starts getting really dark. To me, that's very reminiscent of the scene in Alice in Wonderland where she's in the dark forest and all the, like everything's real dark. And then you just get certain lights just in the right places to light up a path. Doesn't Alice fall down, uh, fall down like a vertical, like when she's falling down into Wonderland, isn't it covered in doors? The tunnel that she's falling through, isn't it covered? Yeah, there's in a light? bunch of doors. Yeah, this there's a. If you look at this movie and compare it to that, there are a lot of some similarities. And there's a lot of times, like when she's trapped in that room after Douche maybe locks her in. Okay, well, you know, Alice falls down the hole and she's sitting there in Wonderland, stuck in this room because she can't get through a locked door. She's always like, oh, there's another door. We can go through there. She's always like, go into this new area because we got to keep pressing forward. But yeah, I would say the douche is the white rabbit because the white rabbit's the one that led her into Wonderland. And it was the douche's idea to go to the party. Yes. I would say since we're ramping everything up and twisting it into a little evil, well, Alice in Wonderland is cards. So with, with the cards, you only have red and black. I'd say if you went red with Angela, it would be too obvious. And that black dress just was amazing. Yeah. Angela's a black queen. Um, Mr. Doctor Man, the Cheshire Cat. He gave off these little bits of information a few random times throughout the story that she needed to use to piece things together to get back. I was going to say maybe Suzanne with a weird uh, heart thing on her face. Well, no, she's queen of hearts, isn't she? Yeah. Okay. She's a queen of hearts. You can draw a lot of parallels between Alice in Wonderland and this anyway. And, I got that impression. And he said she was supposed to be Little Red Riding Hood, but one, red in a possession movie, she would read to Demon and can't do that. Two, Which was a good choice. Having that means you can start explaining things away because in one case you have 
a door that can't unlock itself. But then, you but on the other hand, the... you can also have the same situation where it can't unlock itself, but it can take the hinge pins out. Right. So it's one we haven't, which is a scene you'll have to watch for yourselves, people. Yeah, it's it's just changing her into Alice was like a subliminal way to make different things explained away because now it's it's Wonderland. Things don't have to make sense. No, they don't. I think this movie should be on everyone's watch list. I I wish there was more people that knew about it. I wish it would have been bigger. But I think for what it is, it's a it's a great little movie for what it is. Yeah, it it's it is a highly underrated, underappreciated movie that deserves way more than it got as far as fan recognition. I mean, the fan recognition that it got is amazing, but it's cult classic not classic a mainstream classic. yeah like like for you it should be up there with nightmare and jason yeah you could pose her next to pinhead and they'd look good together i would have loved to seen angela and pinhead together I'd, i think they'd have to be fighting oh yeah they definitely would be at odds but instead of like a freddy versus jason angela versus pinhead i was impressed with the list you had for angela that was great what for what she stole <laughs> yeah what she stole well i was wondering about that and it's like, no, that was... she has this bag and it's like, okay, this bag looks stuffed. How much is yeah. she actually taking? Because every time I've like reactions or whatever, it's like, do you really need that much shit? So yes, how much does. does she actually grab? So I was like, okay, I'm going to list this. And then I realized that's really not that much. And it's a weird, it's like, I'm going to take this, this, and this, but not some of these other things. But then looking at that bag, it looked like there was a lot more in it. So I was wondering... Did she actually take more off screen? But then that goes into, well, it wasn't on screen, so it didn't happen. Or yeah, are we supposed to assume? I just, I just like the way Angela sort of like shuffles her way out with that oh, yeah. smile on her face. Yeah. yeah she just kind of goes like, out and looks over at, at Linnea Quigley with, with that like little grin. And yeah. I, I, I just love Mimi, the way Mimi, can, Mimi Kincaid pulled that off where she just sort of like just holds the bag and just quietly walks out. Yeah. Just, just well just the look on her face as she's stealing things and then she points to the bag to like she's she gets suzanne's attention and points to the bags like what about this and she's like, yeah, okay and then she just hugs it and it just this weird embrace and the look on her face as she just glides out and then turns and gives a smirk as she leaves it's like it's an amazing scene but it's like it's, oh my god you just fucking pilfered all kinds of shit yeah and nobody stopped her yeah nobody said a word everybody's yeah. just kind of doing their everybody own thing was, everybody was cool yeah but um because you know the, guys with sour balls have priorities the train is coming to a stop <laughs> and it's time to say goodbye here in the movie car now that we're talking about sour balls we hope everyone out there and podcast land was able to get a little bit of new appreciation for the what movie was we that about. did you was get up halfway to, through that everyone in podcast land a, was able to get a little <laughs> bit of new appreciation for the whole movie we talked about just now thanks and to they'll everyone forgive for us the, for stopping when we did and yes. not going through the end of the movie you need to watch the movie thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded we love all of you well if we if we had not any you sponsors, steve yeah fuck you steve yeah, fuck you, Steve. Yeah. And, you know, actually, fuck you, know, you, you damn douche. Yeah, the douche was it. Fuck yeah. the douche. Well, we, we both wish you'd been castrated. It, but, by the way, if we if we actually do have a listener out there named Steve. We, 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 we <laughs> Not really you, do. Steve, the other Steve. 
Yeah, not you. You know who you are, Steve. Please like, subscribe, <laughs> comment, and tell your friends about us. Or criticize. I'd like to thank our mutual friend. Be good to each other out there. We're all stuck together in this crazy train, and we're all we have. Well, don't, don't forget. You I know. said like and subscribe yeah well like subscribe comment rate all that good shit but also tell us what you would change you can look in the description emails twitter all that shit's on there and be good to each other out there oh yeah Bye that too yeah audio sayonara a what what how many off. other languages can i mispronounce goodbye off in? we did send just remember Heidi Klum saying off we did send. if i'm thinking of Heidi Klum i'm not thinking of her saying goodbye bye for now folks <laughs> See you next time.